If God does not come and move in power in the modern church, America will collapse because this nation cannot be a secular, non-Christian nation. I point as evidence to every other nation in the world. Look at what Muhammad has produced in Syria, in Saudi Arabia. He has produced intolerance, murder, mayhem, the rape of women. He has not produced a civilization of kindness and mercy where every man has an equal opportunity to succeed in life. Look at Mexico with its secularism and its drugs and its corruption. Never is it more apparent than when you drive from San Diego into Tijuana. I drove many miles down into Mexico, then turned and drove back. When I crossed the line, it was a night and day difference between Mexico and California. You go to India. What has Hinduism, what has Buddhism produced? You go to Africa. What has superstition and and devil worship, what has it produced? You go to any nation in the world that is not Christian, and you see a dramatically different kind of culture, and frankly, not a culture I would choose to be a part of. In other words, a nation's religion will shape the culture of that nation. When you look at China, its secularism, its communism, has not produced a culture that is open and receiving. There are many wonderful Chinese people There are many wonderful Indian people. There are many wonderful Mexican people. But when the government is controlled by the culture's religion, or when it is secular in nature, as it was in Russia, when it is anti-God, you see a culture that does not respect women, You see a culture that is filled with corruption and violence? Look at the history of the world. Never has there been a nation like America. Do not take for granted the Constitution of the United States of America or the Bill of Rights. Do not take for granted that this just happened. It did not. 
America was founded by Christian men and women at great sacrifice. The Minutemen conquered the beginning of the shots being fired. Who were those shots fired by? By a Baptist pastor and his elders. And the pulpits of America were aflame with righteousness. So let's be very clear. As a child is growing up, that child must be disciplined by his parents. I'll include spanking. Spare the rod, spoil the child. It is a fundamental belief of the Judeo-Christian ethic. But then Dr. Spock came along, and everything began to shift and change. And so today we have young people growing up who have never been disciplined. I watched yesterday when I stopped by to meet someone at a Starbucks. There was a handsome couple with a beautiful baby about three years of age. I watched as that baby totally disregarded mother and daddy's words, caused them great embarrassment, demanded what he wanted. You say, well, he was just acting like a three-year-old. No, he was acting like a brat, an undisciplined child that will grow up to be full of all the rebellion of our culture, and mom and dad will say, what did we do wrong? Well, what you did wrong is you never taught this child about Jesus Christ. You never taught this child about holiness. You never taught this child respect for others. You never taught this child the discipline and the boundaries of a safe community. Now, I can get in my car after this broadcast and I can drive down through to Washington, D.C., and a red light will come on, and I'll stop my car, and the flow of traffic from the other direction will come. But what if I disregard all the red lights? What if I choose to stop on the green lights and go on the red lights because I don't like to conform? Well, there will certainly be an accident. Perhaps I'll escape, but others will be in dire jeopardy. I understand the rules of the road. When I get in my car, I click my seatbelt. When I drive down the street, I obey the laws. I obey the speed limits. Why? Because that means I'll have a safe passage through these neighborhoods. But what if I totally disregard all of those cultural norms, those boundaries, those understandings. Well, if I'm a secular humanist, there is no right and wrong. I remember reading about a French philosopher who said when you're driving down the street and you run over somebody, it has no moral value. There's no such thing as right or wrong. Albert Camus. He was insane. He was like Nietzsche. Ending his life in suicide because there is no right or no wrong. Well, there must be absolutes. And in America, we have utterly cast off the scriptures. 
We've cast off the Christian principles. They are now scorned in the public square. We now have a president who scorns the Christian values. We have a Congress and a Senate that is corrupt. When I was growing up, public corruption was practically unheard of. My brother, Roger, is a a person who, with his wife, travels the country in a motor home. They made a trip down into Mexico. A semi-truck ran them off the road, and their motor home turned over. The police arrived as they were crawling through the broken front windshield. And the policeman was ready to give them a ticket for reckless driving. And Roger said, how can I be charged with reckless driving when a semi-truck ran me off the road? Well, he said, that's just how we do it. Roger said, okay. How much money do you want? And the man quoted him a price. The policeman quoted him a price. Roger pulled the cash out and paid him right there. Then they took them to the hospital and had them checked out. They had a record come. They went through all the appropriate things. There were no charges placed. Because he paid their corruption fee. He he paid their bribe. Well, this is now beginning to be America. Utter corruption. The, The corrupt banking cartel. The criminal enterprise called the Federal Reserve stealing trillions of dollars. The faith of Jesus Christ is being utterly destroyed in America. And now people believe in anything. And so in the Drudge Report today comes the headline, Satanism Affecting Politics. The advancement of witchcraft. Well, are you surprised when in America, even Christian so-called America, gives Harry Potter books to their children to read? And I know what they say. I read every one of them to be able to speak authoritatively about what they say. They are not genius works of art in the Christian sense. They are genius works of art in the demonic. America is crashing. And there is going to be only one way that America can be turned around, and that is with revival of godliness. There must be a great resurgence of holiness in this land, or America is utterly doomed to tyranny. And we will become a dictatorship. We will become something that totally renounces the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. You will see FEMA camps, prisons. You will see debtors' prisons. You will see increasing rape and ill-treatment of women and children. You will see murder. You will see riots in the streets. You will see the dollar totally collapsed. You will see America absorbed into a wicked one-world government that will be ruled by the Antichrist. 
and the day will come in America when either you receive the mark of the beast or you will be executed. This is all biblically laid out. How can this be stopped? I believe God loves America. I believe there is a job for America to do in these last days. I have not lost hope for America. But how can it change? Well, certainly not with our presidential candidates, either the socialists or the businessmen. It cannot be changed by by any of the current selections or any politician. America is going to be changed when pastors begin to preach righteousness and the pulpits begin to burn. Or America is going to change when you decide to question your salvation and begin to ask serious, heart-penetrating questions about your place with Jesus, and you stop making assumptions that because you go to church, you're now going to be saved, or because you have said you have accepted Jesus, you are saved. That is a lie. That is not what saves you. You are saved when Jesus accepts you. And so, we need to turn to the Scriptures, and we're going to do that now. And I want to share with you some of the secrets of the kingdom of God. We're going to study very carefully the parable of the sower. But I want to give you the context of this parable. Jesus is teaching in probably Peter's home. It's crowded. No one can get in. And as he's teaching there, Jesus' biological mother, Mary, and his brothers, his half-brothers, come to pull him out of that house and bring him home because they have made the decision that Jesus is probably insane. And they want to save the family the shame of this of this son of theirs, this brother of theirs, doing things that are going to be utterly scorned and getting in trouble with the temple police and the scribes and the Pharisees. And never mind that Jesus has been healing the sick and that great crowds are following him. They hear that he hasn't even been taking time to eat. They are there both out of concern for him and concern for their own reputations. And Jesus is told, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. And he answered, he said to them, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And having stretched out his hand toward his disciples, He said, look, my mother and my brothers. Now, whoever may do the will of my father, the one in the heavens, he is my brother and sister and mother. 
Now, I want you to notice, as we begin to speak about the parable of the sower, that Jesus is very clearly disagreeing with the theology of our day in the modern church. He is saying, you are my, you are my mother, you are my brothers, you are my sisters. If you do the will of my father, it really doesn't matter much what you say. To Jesus, it matters what you do. And if revival is going to come to America, you are going to have to change what you are doing. You're going to have to carefully evaluate your entire day, day after day, and say, what is it that I'm doing and why am I doing it? Am I doing it for the sake of the kingdom of God? I mean, you're aware that Jesus very clearly said, Seek me first in my kingdom, my righteousness, and all of these gifts will be added unto you. So we have to recognize Our job is to seek the kingdom of God, which literally in the Greek means not a geographic place. It literally means the authority of God. So we need to examine everything we're doing and ask ourselves the simple question, am I doing this under the authority of God? Will you be able to imbibe of that alcohol and get drunk? Will you be able to cheat and lie and walk in bitter anger? Will you be able to sit down and watch a violent movie or pornography? Can you do these things under the authority of God? Will God direct you to do these things? Will God direct you to commit adultery or fornication? Of course not. The scriptures are full of descriptions of what is that which makes a man or woman unclean, malice and bitterness, sexual uncleanness. The direction of Jesus, if you want to be his brother, or his sister, or his mother, you must do the will of the Father. And so that means you must operate under the authority of the kingdom of God. Now it says you operate under the authority, and now you also seek his righteousness. That word dikasune again, it means literally innocence. So now, in all things, you are going to seek to be totally innocent of any rebellion against the kingdom of God or the authority of God. You are going to do the will of the Father. 
Now, some of you are listening to this broadcast while you're at work. Why are you at work? If your answer to that question is so that I might earn money, you are not operating under the authority of God, under his kingdom. In fact, if you are going to work in order to earn money, you are not a Christian. What? Yes. This passage out of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, says that you seek the kingdom of God, you seek his divine authority over your life, then you seek his righteousness, and then all of these things, it says, will be given to you, the things that pagans run after. Money to pay the mortgage, money for the car, money for food, money for clothing, all the things that pagans run after. A Christian does not run after these things. Now, what a difference it would make in your place of employment if you gave up all notion that you are there to earn money and you began to say to your heart, look, I am here in response to the call of God I am working in this place in obedience to his command. And I am here to minister the message of Jesus Christ in this place by excellence of work, by integrity, by love. 1 Corinthians 13 does not collect wrongs or hurts, but you have been crucified with Christ and you are now in this place and God will flow to you in this place the resources necessary for you to live. What a dramatic shift this would make in the kingdom of God. So I ask you, Is this how you're living? Are you living day by day, seeking the authority of God over your life in every conversation, in every word, in every deed? Are you there seeking to be utterly innocent before God and man? If you're not, you are not walking in the knowledge or the will of our Father in heaven. And you are not a Christian. And until you're willing to acknowledge this and begin to deal with the very real reality that if you're there out of your own selfish heart and you're there out of your own desperate need and you are not there walking under the anointing of the power of God, then you cannot be revived. And America will be destroyed because of you and many others choosing to deny Christ, choosing to walk in your own flesh and your own will, and you have denied Jesus. Look, I'm not talking about cultural Christianity. I hope you understand that. This is unvarnished, real gospel straight out of the Word of God. I know it cuts across all of your cultural understandings. 
But it's time we cut across those foolish things that have caused the Christian church to be destroyed in the Western world and to lose all of its power and all of its authority. So how do you stand today? This is the background to the parable of the sower. Now listen. Then one day, Jesus, having gone out from the house, was sitting by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered to him, so that after having entered into the boat, he sat down, while the whole multitude stood on the shore. In this culture, you stood up when you listened, and if a man had something of great import to say, he sat down to say it. This was considered the chair of Moses, from which the wisdom of God was to come. So Jesus made the boat the chair of Moses, and he sat down to begin to teach them about the kingdom of God. So everything that I'm going to cover today and tomorrow will focus on walking in the kingdom of God. And there are different kinds of people, and there are different kinds of soil. And the word of God is going to be planted today in your heart, and how you respond to this word of God that I'm speaking is entirely up to you. But your salvation for eternity could very likely hang on how you respond. And some of you will respond with anger, and you've already turned the radio off. Some of you will respond and say, man, the pastor's right, but you'll never act on it. And some of you will say, yes, I need to deal with the authority of God and the authority of his kingdom, and I need to seek him with all of my heart, and you will for maybe a day or two, and then you'll be gone. I'm praying that some of you are honest and good, and that you will take serious the word I'm speaking It only takes a small company set on fire to set the whole forest on fire. I want you set on fire by the Spirit of the living God in an absolute covenant that you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and that you will stop walking like the pagans seeking after the things of darkness, seeking after all of the entertainment of our day, seeking after the wickedness of our culture, being self-satisfied. I pray that you will turn in repentance, that you will stop trying to be good and will be crucified with Christ and let it be done and then spend the rest of your life seeking after him with all of your heart for the winning of souls and the changing of our culture. Now he sat down in that boat, and he told them many things in parables, saying, Behold, the one sowing went out to sow, and while he is sowing, some seeds fell on the road, and the birds came and ate them. Some fell on rocky ground where he was not having much soil, and it immediately sprang up because of not having a depth of soil 
But the sun having raised, it was scorched, and because of not having root, it withered. But some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. But others fell on good soil and were producing fruit, the one a hundredfold, another sixty, and another thirty. The one having ears to hear, he must hear. The disciples, having approached him, said, Why are you speaking to them in parables? And he answered, and he said to them, It has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to be teaching you the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven today and tomorrow. I pray you learn them. He continues, But to them it has not been given. For whoever has to him it will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, <clears throat> pardon me, even what he has will be taken from him. For this reason I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, the one saying, Be hearing, and you will hear. Be hearing, and you will hear. Do you want to hear? what it's going to take to transform your life, to be changed into the image of Jesus, to be filled with unutterable joy as you are washed clean and made whole so that you no longer walk in sin or degradation or despair, but walk in the joy of the Lord. Does that attract your heart? Then hear what the Word of God says. He goes on, But many will never understand, and while seeing, you will see, but many never perceive. For the heart of this people was made dull or calloused. How is a heart made dull? By constantly hearing and never acting. Many of you have heard the gospel message year after year, and then deception has come into that gospel message, and you have never honestly acted on it. You may call yourself a Christian, but you act and live like the wicked. Your heart is filled with baseball. Your heart is filled with football. Your heart is filled with pornography. Your heart is filled with bitterness and anger and stealing and lusting after money. You worship Baal. He says, And with, with the ears they heard with difficulty, and they closed their eyes, lest they may see with their eyes, and may hear with their ears, and may understand with the heart, and may turn, and I will heal them. I'm not pretending that what I'm talking about is easy either for you to hear or understand, because in our culture, we have utterly cast off righteousness and holiness, and we have scorned fire and brimstone preachers. And as a result, America has turned fornication in every unclean thing and worships at the altar of Baal and sacrifices our children on the altars of Moloch 
The most unsafe place in America today is in the womb of a woman, especially a black woman. I don't understand why the black people still listen and follow after Planned Parenthood, after Hillary Clinton, after the Democratic Party, when it has been the party of the Ku Klux Klan, it has been the party of Jim Crow, it has been the party of segregation, it has been the party of abortion, of the murder of our babies. A whole generation of black children have been aborted. The black family has been destroyed by the social contract that has been made in America with welfare. Dignity has been stolen. Dads have been forced out. I don't understand. It's clear, however, that if we will begin to listen to the Word of God and understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, a radical change will happen in our lives. We will stop aborting our babies. We will stop depending on everybody else, and we will begin to depend on Jesus Christ. We will begin to pray. We will begin to seek his face. And we will cast aside the entertainment of this world. We will put aside the Kardashians and all of their ilk. They are filthy. They are evil. We will put aside the secular world. And we will give ourselves utterly to seeking after Jesus to be transformed into his likeness. Women and men will begin to dress in a modest fashion. We will stop following the demons that are rising over America and controlling, bringing murder and destruction to our cities, violence to our cities. He continues. This is Matthew 13th chapter, verse 16. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, but they saw not, and to hear what you hear, but they heard not. Now you must hear the parable of the sower. And and hearing the word of the kingdom, and anyone hearing the word of the kingdom, but not understanding it, the evil one comes and snatches the seed having been sown in his heart. Now, you're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to let this seed that you are having planted in your heart today, are you going to allow it to be stolen from you because your pride is pricked or because it disagrees with what you have been taught or because you're angry because I am saying that you must turn off the television and turn aside from the video games and turn aside from the violence. Some of you even need to fast the news 
because your heart is being seared by wickedness and what you see and hear with your eyes and your ears. Now, I did a very simple experiment many years ago. I was a television addict. I would come home from preaching, and I would sit for the rest of the afternoon watching the football games. In fact, I'd let church out early so we could have a football party at the house. The Lord changed my heart. But I tried a very simple experiment. I I invite you to do the same. Sit down and watch television. I don't care what you watch. Anything would be fine. Watch for one hour, even the History Channel. Watch for one hour. Then turn the television off and pick up your Bible and begin to read the Scriptures and commit yourself to one hour. I'll tell you what happened to me. Very quickly, my eyes began to close and water. I had a hard time concentrating, and soon I was fast asleep. And the Lord said to me, if you want my word, turn off the television. I'm telling you now, in all honesty, you cannot watch television and follow Jesus Christ. Even religious programming is often filled with utter darkness and foolishness and cheap entertainment. If you want to follow Jesus and you want to begin to enter into this parable and the mysteries of the kingdom of God, it's like the young man who came to a priest and he said, would you teach me about God? And the priest said, yes. So he went and got a cup, and he said, let's have some tea. And he gave the young man the cup, and he began to pour the tea into the cup. And when it was full, he continued to pour. And the young man said, whoa, stop, 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 it's running over. And the priest said, yes, I know. He said, before I can teach you about God, you're going to have to empty your cup so there is room for God's word in your heart. Right now, he said, there is no room in your heart for God's word. Many of you listening to this broadcast today are on the run. You'll only listen to a part and then you'll turn it off. You really have no room for this word of God in your heart. And you have no room to sit down and read the scriptures because it means turning the television off. Television is a drug. It's many of your drugs of choice. The internet is a drug. The cell phone is a drug. And you're going to have to limit your cell phone use. You're going to have to turn off the videos. You're going to have to turn off the video games. You're going to have to turn aside from those things like movies and secular entertainment. You're going to have to turn aside from those if you are going to earnestly and honestly seek after Jesus Christ. Your heart is too full of the world and of religion to find Jesus. So I ask you honestly today, 
as we introduce this parable. What is it you want? What is it you want me to do for you? What is it that you want to hear on this radio? Do you want Jesus? Or do you want a cheap, sentimental, marshmallow gospel, a cotton candy gospel? Jesus is not a Santa Claus. You're going to have to give up your life if you are going to be revived by the Holy Spirit. Oh, some of you say, Oh, I want the Holy Spirit. Please, Holy Spirit, come. No, he, he won't come. He's not going to share himself with you and the love of the world. You hear me? You can't have both. You either have the world or you have Jesus. You cannot hang with both. One pastor said to me, I know how to hang with the world, and I know how to hang with Jesus. When I'm out with the guys, I'm with the guys. When I'm in the pulpit, I'm the preacher. I have a balanced life. And I said to him, you have no life. You're a pagan masquerading as a pastor. Breaks my heart to say that. But you have to decide. What is it you really want? I'm not here to offer you more food so you can get fatter. I'm not here for religious gluttons. I'm not here for those who have their hobby as religion. I want honest men and women who will acknowledge their sin and who will say, I have to get to Jesus. That's what I want. I want men and women who are willing to say, I'm going to do whatever I have to do. I'm getting out of the worldly church. I'm leaving behind the entertainment and the jokes. Just run a simple test. This last Sunday, was your pastor sober and sincere? Or did your pastor open his sermon by telling some jokes? Or did he close his sermon with some jokes? What kind of pastor, if you go to church, what kind of pastor do you go and sit with? A woman yesterday that I was speaking with in a store, I speak to people everywhere I go, and I, I, I speak to them about Jesus. And this woman I began to speak to about Jesus. She stopped everything she was doing and spoke in rapt attention with me about Jesus. And I said to her, where do you go to church? She said, oh, I watch the television. And she named a local pastor who is a prosperity pastor and a very sentimental, feel-good kind of guy. And then she named a pastor in Texas, a smiling pastor. And she said, I just... I just love these two pastors. She said, I've never met them, but I just love them. I could hug them to death. There was such excitement on her face. Why? Because these pastors 
comfort her in her wickedness. These pastors give her strategies to succeed. They help her to feel better in the midst of her sin. They comfort her in her wickedness. She's a very charming woman. She's a very highly educated woman. Master's degree. But a pagan. But she thinks she's saved and on her way to heaven. She doesn't know much of anything about Jesus except that Jesus accepts her and loves her and and these two pastors accept her and love her and, and she's on her way to heaven and they're helping her get money. Are you kidding me? We're going to have to turn aside from the wickedness of this modern church and we're going to have to seek a place where the pastor will speak to us of the mysteries of the kingdom of God We're going to have to seek a place no matter what it costs us, how much time it takes us. We're going to have to come to a place where we say, all on the altar I lay. I need Jesus. When a man is desperately sick, the fever is raging, spitting blood. What does he want to do? He wants to go to the doctor. And he wants an antibiotic. He wants an antidote for his sickness. The scriptures are an antidote to wickedness. The scriptures, the Christian gospel, is an antidote to secularism and communism, and Buddhism, and Hinduism, and Shintoism, and Mohammedism, Islam. The Bible is an antidote. It is an antibiotic, if you please. And it will return you to full health in Jesus. But first, you're going to have to recognize your sickness. And you're going to have to say, I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of grubbing for money. I'm tired of the bondage I'm in. I'm going to transform this place I'm in into the kingdom of God. I am going to transform this place. And if they fire me in the process, Jesus will send me to the next. I'll shake my dust from my feet and I'll be on my way. And I'll leave no peace behind. Oh, but pastor, I've got to pay for my bills. Are they your bills or are they Jesus' bills? If they're your bills, confess and repent. I only have... I only have one kind of expense. That's Jesus' expense. Yes, I need to eat. Yes, I need to live in a house. Yes, I need to drive a car. But it's all done for the kingdom of God. It's not done for me. Do you hear what I'm saying to you today? Do you understand? It's time to seek Jesus with all of our hearts. It's time to begin to understand the teachings of Jesus that will transform our lives, that will metamorphose us 
into a totally different creature. It's time for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That one candle lit on fire by the presence of God could be effective in lighting one more. America will be changed one person at a time, one church at a time, until the Holy Spirit comes and by the grace of Jesus sweeps away the darkness of our culture. Now we're almost out of time today. I invite you to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. nationalprayerchapel.com. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Come visit us. I love you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you soon. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.